A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, ministering on discovering God's favor. And really, at that point, I was, I was really trying to look at an overarching, the, the sheer magnitude of God's favor. His favor in our life is just a, is a fundamental of Christianity. That when we come into a, a relationship with him, him uh, it brings to us God's favor in so many respects of our life. You know, I've often prayed and thanked God, thank you, Lord, for sparing me for something I don't even know I was spared from. Hello? Just his favor upon my life, watching out over me, that, that I'm spared from things that I don't even know that I have been spared from. I know some that I have been spared from, and I'll flat out giving the praise for that, right? but also to thank him for the things that he's doing for me that I don't even know he's doing. Amen. His favor. Well, today I have a topic. It's called Unraveling God's Favor. We're just going to take a little a deeper look at the favor of God and look at some of the precepts, the statutes, worthy of notes as concerns the favor of God. So when I look at unearned, uh, when I look at earned favor, favor. Early in my life, I, as I just mentioned, I, I learned the value to me of uh, being a part of the family of God and attending church. I just can't remember unless I was just really, really sick, even missing two Sundays in a row. I had to be sick. If we're on vacation, we're looking for a church to go on Sunday morning because it's just something that we've done. And I've done it because church attendance helps keep me centered. To hear the word, to sing, man, how much is it worth to just have been here today just to sing and to worship God in song? I mean, you can get lost in that, just lost in praise and worship. So it has kept me centered. It's given me like a proper perspective of life. I, I think there have been times that I couldn't wait to get to church in hopes that it would undo some of the wrong that I did on Saturday. Hello? Has anybody ever been there? Just couldn't wait to get to church just to say, Lord, I need your help. Something wrong. You know, the human heart is just naturally bent in that direction. The thought that if God is going to show us some favor. Well, we need to pay our dues to do those things that will draw favor in some way or another. So for folks worldwide, every faith that I can even think of, they understand the concept of rewards for good works. Everybody understands that. Some for appeasement, some for awards. But in all of this, it, I think it's often a heartfelt cry. God, take a look here and see what I've been doing. And Lord, bless me. Show me some favor here. Isaiah 30 and 24 says, even the donkeys who work the soil won't have to forage for food. They will eat mash and fodder spread out with a fork and a shovel. 
They didn't have to forage for clumps of dry grass here or there to feed from when they had worked the soil and, and drawn the plow. It's that they were taken care of because of the work that they did. I think we start early in life teaching our kids to not see life as a free lunch. You know that uh, to earn your keep, I can think of times when, when my boys were growing up, when they got their first jobs, and seeing them being responsible for getting up and getting dressed, cleaned up, to go to work, wherever it was. My oldest son, at one time, he was working at, at Swenson's ice cream shop. And he came home teaching me and his mom, his mom and I, how uh, to make cheese, you know, grilled cheese sandwiches and to do them the right way. If you're gonna do something, do it right, do it well. And to see them grow into adults who take care of themselves and their families, I think it's a good thing, you know? It's, it's like a picture, you know, that you are earning your keep. I learned it from my dad. Uh, we were in the stucco business. You don't see that much here because brick, is at a price that you can brick your entire house. In California, that would cost you a fortune. So they have brick veneers and brick fronts, but stucco for the rest of the entire house. Well, my dad, when we'd go to work uh, to supplement his income as a pastor, uh, we knew that when that car's engine went out, went off, we hit the ground running. There were hoses to be connected. There was scaffold to be set. There were two sacks of cement that went in to the mixer with sand and water immediately so that we were, we were putting plaster on the walls within 10 minutes after we hit, hit the site. And even as adults now, all of us are older guys, be it my brothers and I, and uh, when we see someone dogging it on the job, whether it's in Walmart or anywhere else, we just kind of look each other at each other and words don't even have to be said, right? Earning your keep. But here's the question. Does this same mindset work with God? Is our relationship with him based on earned favor? Now, a lot of us would say, of course not. Because Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 speaks of us being saved by grace, not of works, right? Lest any man should boast. So it's, it's of the saving grace of God that we're saved. And that's 100% right. But there is that side of us that says, even though I've been saved by grace and not of works, surely favor and blessings can be earned. And so it begins, you know. I'm thinking here, if I treat others uh, in a certain way, uh, I maintain good thoughts about people, I interact with people carefully, I read more, I pray more, I study more, I give more to worthy causes. If I do these things and I maintain this over the years, even though, even though, it's right in the eyes of God. And even though it may be stroking my own ego, which maybe not a good thing, that surely can't be right. 
But yes, it is right. The Bible is quite clear that favor can be earned and it must be earned. If you look with me to Romans, the second chapter, I'm using my mom's Bible and may her mantle be on me today. My mother was one more godly woman. And to have her Bible is just uh, such a blessed thing. The second chapter of Romans, Paul speaking of God's righteousness and his judgments, says, God, who will render to each one according to his deeds, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of the man who does evil. So when I look at that then, when you're, you're saying, if you want eternal life, there is this need to persist in doing good all the time. This passage says that if we self-seek, if we are disobedient, if we're unrighteous in our actions, it says then you will live under the wrath and the anger of God. And not just that, you live in God's disfavor versus his favor. Now that's, that's a mouthful when you think of that. So the thought of earned favor is a pervasive thought throughout the Bible. If we look at Psalms 62 and 12, it says that you render to man according to his work. If we look at Jeremiah, the 17th chapter, there's a passage, verse 9 speaks of our heart. It says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Now, if you're a child of God, I hope to God that's not true, right? Because we have the mind of Christ. Our hearts should not be all that deceitful and wicked because they've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. In fact, Paul, uh, David early on said that God give me a pure heart and clean hands. So it tells me there's a possibility that a person, whoever it is, a child of God, should not have a deceitful heart. Amen. But then it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So God is blessing us through earned favors. Praise God. Now, if you want eternal life and persisting in good, you know, these passages speak to this. Jesus, when speaking to this in... Luke, the sixth chapter, a part of the Beatitudes. He says in verse 38, give and it shall be given to you. What are you giving? You're giving something you work for. Amen? Amen. You're giving something you earned. Wages that you're giving of yourself, your time, your energy, your finances, your wisdom, your knowledge, you're giving to God. And he says, if you do this, it will be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be put into your bosoms, 
For with the same measure that you use, how much energy you give, how much time, efforts, funds you give, it will be measured back to you. Earned favor of God. Now, I like what Paul had to say in 1 Corinthians, the, the 12th chapter. The 12th chapter is where he begins to discuss in detail the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Nine in, 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 uh, to be specific with. There are more than that, but in this chapter, he's speaking of nine. And he goes into detail, some detail, as to why and how these are to be used. But at the end of this chapter, he's, he says, so you need to desire these gifts, right? Pray for them, seek for these gifts of God. And they're gifts, they're to be given. They're not to be earned, you know? They're not, he says, but desire them, seek after them, seek these gifts. And so after that, he makes a statement. He says, but now I will show you a more excellent way. Yes. He's speaking of the 13th chapter now, which is the love chapter of the Bible that it's read in uh, weddings and, and in all different types of circumstances where it speaks of exercising these gifts with love. And when we exercise these gifts with love and care, God is mindful of this. He's mindful of it. And he will bless us with favor. Now, when we live and operate as such, there's a passage that speaks of how God responds to a life of the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. So I want to read to you just a, a short passage from the 33rd chapter of Isaiah. He says that your eyes will see the king in his beauty. They will see the land that is far off. Your heart will meditate on terror. Where is the scribe? Where is he who weighs? Where is he who counts the towers? You will not see a fierce people, a people of obscure speech beyond perception, a stammering tongue that you cannot understand. He says, look upon Zion and your eyes will see Jerusalem, a quiet home, a tabernacle that will not be taken down. Not one of its stakes shall ever be removed. And he's speaking of the favor of God and God watching over us. So the earned favor of God, I think, results from a life lived rightly. Now, when I talk about the unearned favor of God, it's something akin to the grace of God, which has been uh, interpreted as unmerited favor. Yeah. When somebody does something for you that you have not earned. I had an uncle, a great uncle, that when he came to our home on more than one occasion, at some point in his visit, he would reach into his pocket and pull out all of his change and hand it to me. Uh, nobody thinks much about change today. We have jars that we just throw it in. When I was a kid, change was important. 
people counted pennies. A nickel meant something. You could buy something with a dollar. And uh, that was just unmerited favor, wasn't it? A lottery. To win the lotteries, unmerited favor. You know? Unmerited favor is, uh, I think, at times it's, 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 it kind of cheapens what we're looking at because it's, it's like simply getting something I don't deserve and, and it just doesn't say much. Uh, Paul was speaking about this because there were some who, when they were spoken, when they were told that they weren't living by the law, that they were living by grace and that the grace was in abundance to forgive of sin. They thought it was a license to live more frisky, more loosely. And so Paul was addressing this in uh, Romans, the fifth chapter. He says, let me get to it, I get... Here we go. Let me see. I want to make sure I've got the right passage. It's the last part of this fifth chapter. It says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Um, But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, Even so, grace might reign through the righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So they said, well, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And Paul says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it, in sin? So here's this picture of of those who see grace in a somewhat lighter standard. That unmerited favor that God is such that he can kind of wink at some behavior that is not right in his eyes. And look past it and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forget and forget and forget. But Paul is saying grace is much deeper than that. Amen? It's much deeper. Unmerited favor. You know, I could be at Christmas time driving through Starbucks to get my cafe latte. And when I pull up to the window, the lady says, it's no charge, sir. The person in front of you paid for your cafe latte. I say, well, ain't that a deal? Well, I'll just, I'll just pay for the guys behind me. And she says, okay. She says, That'll be $29.42. <laughs> and I'm thinking, holy moly. You know, how many's in that car? Did every one of them get a coffee latte with extra cream and an extra shot? And, you know, I'm thinking... And heaven help me if I looked back there and saw it was my neighbor who I despised. I might say, forget it, and just screech the tires a bit as I scooted on out of Starbucks. 
because um, there's unmerited favor, and then there's unmerited favor. There's unmerited favor that's in the neutral zone. As when the second chapter, ninth chapter of Second Samuel, uh, David was in this magnanimous mood. He's thinking to himself, do you think, he's talking out loud, he says, do you think there's anybody, in fact, I want you to go check. Is there anybody left in Saul's family that I don't know of that I could show kindness to? Well, they went out and searched and they came back and lo and behold, not only was it a descendant of Saul, it was the very son of Jonathan. Had the most terrible name you could ever imagine. There hasn't been one other person in the whole world named after him. Mephibosheth. Right? He brought Mephibosheth in. And boy, he's, he's coming in fear. He doesn't know because he's the descendant of Saul. And I'm telling you what, they had all been eradicated. There were none left. He's coming with fear. And David looks at him and he says, you know, he says, I want to show you kindness. He says, I'm going to have the sons of Ziba go out and take care of your property and your cattle and all of your goods because I want you to eat at my table to sup with me. Every meal, you're at my table. And then the last verse, it says that he was crippled in his feet. He had been dropped as a child, broke his foot, never grew back right, very difficult to walk. But for the rest of his life, he dined with David. Now, that is neutral. David knew nothing about him. Whether he was good or bad or whatever, there was just this neutral zone of unmerited favor. Now, wouldn't it be nice if we all were in the neutral zone? If we could all come to God from the neutral zone. But we're not. Everybody say we're not. We're not. You see, <clears throat> Milton wrote Paradise Lost. What a read that is. And it, it speaks to the awful, all-encompassing impact of the original sin. The sin of rebellion against God. The sin that says, I want my independence. The sin that says, I want to do things my own way. It was an insurrection of the worst degree against God. 4,000 years later, Paul sums it up. Romans 3.23, he says, all have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody. And then Romans 6.23, part of the Roman road, he says that the wages of sin is death. Oh, I'm so glad he didn't stop there. Yes. He says, but the gift of God Amen. is eternal life. Wow. A life lived without relationship with God is not only a life without favor, it's a life lived in disfavor. <laughs> so God's favor must be one. And if not by us, it has to be won by somebody else. 
And so I think the world, there's a cry out, help! You know, the song says, he paid a debt I did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. <laughs> help, help, help. God, help us. I need someone to wash my life, my sins, a clear conscience before God. Enter Jesus. Praise God. Enter Jesus. Whoa. He proved to be that someone else. When we think of his favor, just consider how he was blessed of God. He was blessed of his father with a spirit of love, a spirit of care, a spirit of giving, a, a good heart. I read a book a few years back and it was uh, Habits of the Heart. It was really speaking to an ethics of being an honest, above board, caring individual. Habits of the heart. And so Jesus is this person that when, when Peter is uh, speaking to who he is, to Cornelius's house, he said, this Jesus is a man who went about doing good. He went about healing the sick. He went about caring and, and, and delivering the oppressed of bondages. This was his life. This is who Jesus is. And so even Jesus said things like this, do good to those who curse you. Now, I got to tell you something. That's an easy thing to read. How many knows there's a lot of things that's easy to understand that's hard to do? Hello? There are a lot of vices in this world that people are trapped in. That you can tell them all about how wrong it is. And they can be nodding their head. But it's easy to understand, hard to do. I had someone very close to me. I was uh, sharing with him the wrongs of the vices that he was tied up in. And after about the second session, he says, Papa, he says, I don't want you to talk to me about that anymore. He says, I don't want to hear that anymore. <sighs> to do good to those that curse you. So, you know, here's the thing about the blessings of the Father to Jesus. That uh, they don't translate to material blessings. The Bible says he wasn't rich. The Bible says his own family thought he was crazy. Yes. His friends betrayed him and deserted him. The leaders of the land hated and envied him and mocked him right up to the point of his death. So if you're looking at divine favor, whoa, the blessings of his favor they went far greater, far beyond what we're thinking of here. Amen, right. Who wouldn't enjoy kindness? Who doesn't want people to like him? Who doesn't want people to care for him? And he had those people who did care for him and who, who loved him and, and liked him. But his values and his blessings, the things that he was receiving from the Father, went far out and beyond what we're talking about here on this earth. His favor was a crown, a kingdom, 
a place of righteousness, a place of power and authority that so far exceeded what was happening here. It's why Abraham said, I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, a wealthy man. is saying, what I have here, even though it's the favor of God, it's not the favor I'm looking for. There's more. God help me for getting excited. He's talking about something that's centered in the heavenlies, the eternal. His reward was not just that people liked him. It was that his father loved him. And that translates to life. That translates to life for all of us. John 5 and 26. For as the father has life in himself, so hath he hath granted the son to have life in himself. And then that famous passage, for God so loved the world. Amen? (laughs) What? Quote it for me. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave life to his son, and his son gives life to us. Life, 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 real life, here, now, and eternally, through Jesus. He's given us the power to have eternal life, to have a personal relationship with God. Wow. Unmerited favor. The passage in Revelations, <clears throat> the fifth chapter. I'll read a couple of verses here. Come on up, Ben. Mike, Dusty. Joni. We're going to sing something. It's a passage in the fifth chapter starting with just reading verses 9 and 10. Here they are. The elders of heaven have fallen down before the Lamb. They each have harps and gold bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang this song. You are worthy to take the scroll, scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nations, and you have made us, this is not to be taken lightly. This is to be taken to the depth of your being. You have made us kings and priests to our God. And we're gonna reign We're going to reign on the earth. Then he says, sing and say with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and 
riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing, the favor that God gave to his son that he passes on to us. That's favor. Amen. That's favor. Oh, wow. There's some things worth waiting for. Amen. There's some things worth praying for. There's some things worth living for. There are some things worth dying for. This is worth everything. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You got an idea? For He is Lord. For He is Lord. He is Lord. favor oh wow God feed it deep into our hearts if for whatever reason you have lived in a cheapened state for whatever time frame abusing the presence of God in your life the disfavor that's come from it, to recognize that there's healing, there's forgiveness, there's life, there's help, there's wholeness, there's care in Jesus. Amen? In Jesus. If you're watching today and you don't know Jesus, I just ask you to consider, we sing the song as a child, you know, to open our hearts, to let Jesus come in. So I ask you to do that today. If there's any here, say, Pastor Phil, I just, I just need the cleansing flow of Jesus in my heart. This is the time. This is the day. 
So Father, I just come to you now. We just lift our hands to you humbly, Lord, with humility. Servants of the Most High God asking you, God, to come in with a freshness, Lord. Through the blood of Jesus to wash away the sins of our lives, Lord. And bring a newness, Lord, that only you can. A sense of forgiveness that comes through you. To fill the hole in the heart that's there, the longing, the desire, God, for something that the pleasures of this life have not answered. There is the awakenings at night. What is it? What do I need? Where do I go? Who do I talk to? It's you, Jesus. So, Lord, I just ask that you forgive us. Make us new. In Jesus, forgiving, renewing, refreshing, new life, new hope, a new beginning in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. And Lord, we just pray for those who are ill today. There are several, you know, that we know of that are hurting in their physical body, God, that there's health and strength and healing for all of these, Lord Jesus. We speak healing in your name because you gave us the authority to do this. And so, Lord, we do so. And we thank you, God, by faith in advance for your touch upon the lives and hearts and bodies of those, Lord, who are afflicted. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> well, the Lord be with you. If there's anyone that needs prayer, and all you got to do is just go right back there, and we will, we will pray with you today for your help and whatever needs that you have. God bless you for being with us today in your homes. I pray God's blessings upon you and all that you do. This upcoming season, find a place to go to worship. Amen. Find a place to worship. God bless you. The Lord bless you, folks.